forward to hearing that. All right, so today is June 14, 2021, and we are studying, looking at the study guide number 19 called The Mark of the Beast. So if you have this one handy, go ahead and get it out. We will be looking at it together today. So um, just by way of review, do you remember, does anybody remember the different names in the Bible that the Bible gives to Antichrist? Anybody remember what some of those names are? The beast. Yeah, very good. There's one. That's, that's the name that Revelation calls him. That's right. Any? Do you remember what Daniel calls it? The dragon. Little horn. Dragon. Little horn. The yeah. Little horn. Mm -hmm. The dragon. The dragon. That's a good um, thought. The dragon is a reference. Actually, the devil. Devil. Yes. Right. So in Daniel is the little horn, in Revelation it's called the beast, in 1 John it's called Antichrist, and in Thessalonians it's called the man of sin, but it's all the same thing, all the same thing, it's the Antichrist. So today we're going to be looking at the story in Revelation, what Revelation gives, and it adds a few clues, last week we looked at Daniel 7, where we talked about the um the little horn today we're going to talk about the beast of revelation 13 and we're going to see that it's going to add a few more clues to it so do you remember who the the little horn of daniel is that we talked about last week you guys remember who that is or what the united it is states. people wrong the united yeah. states the little horn the little Papal horn. Papal Rome. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. It's, it's, it's the Roman power of the church. The Roman, Papal Rome. That's exactly right. And we talked about how it's not the Pope. It's not Catholic people. It is a system of teachings and beliefs and power that has chosen to go against God. Um, so we don't, we don't call anybody the beast. It's not any one individual at all, no matter whether it's a, there's plenty of political figures you might like or not like, but none of them is the beast. <laughs> it is, it is papal Rome. Um, and it has been down through the, through the centuries. So now today we're going to talk about Revelation 13, where we see the beast power. So let's look, oh, and before we do that, um, remember in the end time, the world is going to be polarizing into two groups of people. Mm -hmm. um, could somebody in this read in the study guide um, number one? There will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Good. So that doesn't sound very good, does it? No. No, there's going to be a time of trouble, a lot of pressure. And people are going to be polarized into two groups, those who keep God's commandments and the faith of Jesus and receive the seal of God, and those who turn against that and receive the mark of the beast. And today we're going to be looking at both of those, the seal of God, what is it, 
and the mark of the beast, what is it? And what would cause someone to receive the seal of God? What would cause someone to receive the mark of the beast? So we're going to look at, let's start by looking at Revelation 13. And we are in, let's just open our Bibles and read it out of the Bible. Revelation 13. And would somebody read verses 1 and 2? Whenever you get there. And then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast, which I saw, was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power his throne, and great authority. And thank you very much, reading, Teresa. So, so we, we see this, <clears throat> and here's an artist has, has trying to draw, draw it. It has seven heads and ten horns, and, and it's got characteristics of three other animals. What are those three other animals in verse two? Yeah. <clears throat> The leopard, the beast, and the lion. Yes, the leopard, the bear, and the lion. And so this is this verse, the angel is trying to remind you of Daniel 7 that we studied last week. Those were the three animals, the first three animals in that vision, remember, that Daniel had? So it's like God is giving us a clue, like ding, 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 reference Daniel 7, put these prophecies together. They're going to explain each other. And I just, yes, they're going to explain each other. And so that is the clue. We need to reference Daniel 7 when we look at understanding this. And as we go through this chapter, we will see that there are more similarities um, that, 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 that are, will become very apparent. So I'm going to stop sharing. Well, let's, let's just keep reading. Could somebody read verses... 3 through 8 of Revelation 13. One of the heads seemed to have received a death blow, but its mortal wound had been healed. In amazement, the whole earth followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? I'll go on to verse 8. To verse 8. Yeah. The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth in utter blaspheme, blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all the inhabitants of the earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of the Lamb that was slaughtered. All right, thank you for reading that. So we see several clues here. Do you see anything in here that is uh, the same as what we saw in 
the 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 antichrist power recording in progress i think that was an accident <laughs> what do we see that's the same as daniel 7 made war with the saints in daniel 7 and they made war, war with the saints and um Revelation verse seven there. Good, thank you, Cindy. Yeah, so that 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 tells us a clue. Okay, the, we know we're talking about the Antichrist power. It's the same power. It made war with the saints. Both of them made war with the saints, right? Mm -hmm. Any others? What about what's coming out of his mouth in verse five? Yeah. Blasphemy. Blasphemy, right? Uh -huh. So arrogant words and blasphemies, that sounds a lot like the little horn in Daniel 7, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And then there's the how long does this power reign in verse 5? 42 months. And in Daniel 7, it's time, times, and a half a time. Good. Thank you. Yes, 42 months. And if you, if a prophetic month has 30 days. If you multiply 42 months times 30 days, you get to 1260 days. And we know that a day is equal to a year, right? And so in Bible prophecy, it is. So 1260 years, this thing would have power. And that equates to the time, time and half a times in Daniel 7. The time, time and half a times was a time means a year times is two years and so a time times and half a time is three and a half years which is 42 months which is 1260 days which is the same amount of time as we see as the antichrist power has in revelation 13 so we we're lining these things up and saying this has to be talking about the same entity the same power um, now, so Revelation 13 adds a few more clues to who this is and what it's doing. Verse 2 says it got its power from the dragon. And if you look in Revelation 12, whom did the dragon represent? The devil, Satan. Yes, the devil, Satan. And it says in Revelation 12, verse... Um, verse 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 what she the the woman was with child she was in pain labor and pain to give birth and what did this dragon want to do he tried to do what to the child devour it devour it right and the child represents jesus right because it says in verse five her child was caught up to god into his throne and will rule all the nations with a rod of iron so we know that this represents so satan wanted to devour jesus when he was born very literally didn't he yes and he worked through pagan rome to do that so in a sense the dragon definitely represents satan but it's satan as he was working through pagan rome so back to revelation 13 verse the dragon that gave him his power and his throne and great authority, verse 13, verse 2, when um, Constantine was emperor of Rome, he actually moved his capital to another city, named it after himself, Constantinople, 
like all he was humble like all the Roman emperors were. <laughs> Named it after himself, Constantinople. And he put the church's bishop of Rome in charge of the Western Roman Empire. So at that, that was when the Pope, what we call the Pope now, he was just he was just a, a local bishop or a regional bishop at that time. But that's when he got lots of power is when when pagan Rome moved its capital like many, many miles away to Constantinople. And then he put the, the Bishop of Rome in charge. And, and now we know that that role as the Pope. So very literally, the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. That's exactly what happened. So we're getting confirmation that we're on the right track of who we're looking at. Um, so now we're going to look at some characteristics that we mentioned, um, and we're gonna dive in just a little bit deeper on that. Somebody said in verse five, the words that were coming out of his mouth are blasphemy. Um, the, the, the words coming out of his mouth are blasphemy. What is blasphemy according to the Bible? We think of blasphemy sometimes as swearing or taking God's name in vain. The Bible has a very specific definition for blasphemy. Does anybody know what that is? Speaking against God or pretending to be God. Okay. And forgiving sin. Yes. Giving sin and calling himself God. Very good. So mm -hmm. let's look at Mark 2 verse 7. So I want you to see this out of the Bible. Those were very good answers. Mark 2, verse 7. We want to use the Bible's definition whenever we can. Mark 2, verse 7. This is when Jesus was talking to the, the paralyzed man. In verse 5, he says, he said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine what that man must have felt like? Just a relief of knowing his sins are, are forgiven. Did uh, you say Mark 7? Mark 2. I'm sorry. Mark okay. 2. I might have said <laughs> Mark 2, verse 5. He said, your sins are forgiven. And then, and then verse 6, some of the scribes are sitting there reasoning their hearts. Verse 7. Why does this man speak that way? He is what? Blaspheming. blaspheming who can forgive sins but god alone so here we see the definition that somebody mentioned blasphemy according to the bible is claiming the power to forgive sins now jesus was not committing blasphemy because he was god he did have the power to forgive sins because he was god but but if if Teresa said i'm going to absolve you of your sins um that doesn't mean <laughs> Thing, right that doesn't work and that would be blasphemy if any human ever says that um do you know what the 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 priest says if you go to a confessional i forgive you mm -hmm. i forgive you and literally oh, you are forgiven what literally the latin is i absolve you okay so so yeah it's and, and it's not like okay sorry tammy didn't mean to <laughs> I didn't mean to trip you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tammy, I didn't mean to trip you. That's a different thing. When the priest says, I forgive you, I absolve you, he is saying, I have taken God's place and I have erased your sins in heaven. That's serious. That's really, really serious. So when the Bible says committing blasphemy, 
that's what it's talking about. Let's look at the other definition for blasphemy, John 10, verse 33. John 10, in verse 33, and this is when, when Jesus was talking to people and, and he said, I and the Father are one, in verse 30, John 10, verse 30. The Jews took up, took up stones to stone him, and Jesus said, why are you stoning me? <laughs> and the Jews answered him in verse 33. For, and by the way, the Jews had all the right answers sometimes, but they still killed Jesus. So just that, that should be a warning to all of us. If we have all the right answers, we still could be messed up. But here they have the right answer. Partly, the Jews said, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for what? Blasphemy. Blasphemy, because you, and because you being a man, make yourself out to be God. Make yourself out to be God. So that's the other definition of blasphemy. And they were kind of one and the same. If you say, I can forgive your sins, or I am God, you're kind of saying the same thing. Um, so so there's, there is, a, 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 in, in the Catholic writings, and this is, is in an address to the Pope in 1512. This is what was said to him. And, and you could say, well, somebody didn't know what he was talking about the Pope, but the Pope, when this was said to the Pope, the Pope did not say, well, you shouldn't say that, <laughs> not at all. So here is what was said in this address to the Pope. Thou art the shepherd, thou art the director, thou art the husbandman, finally, thou art another god on earth oh that's wow. serious isn't it <laughs> yeah. and, and again we're not trying to downgrade or criticize any individual but we're saying that is a system that produces this kind of thinking that they're putting this individual in the place of god and, and the pope according to the records the historical records there's no historical record of the pope saying don't say that. Um, he didn't say that. Remember when Paul was, the, the people tried to worship him? <clears throat> they, they tried to sacrifice. They said, we're going to sacrifice this ox to you. We're going to worship you because you have power to heal people. They tore their clothes. They said, do not do that. You do not say that. We don't have any record of the Pope reacting that way to that. Um, so other things, other things that were clues that this, this papacy was in power for 1260 years. <clears throat> we'll come back to that in a minute. It persecuted the saints, like Cindy mentioned. There's an estimated 50 million to 120 million people that were killed by the church during that 1260 years because they disagreed with the church because they wanted to follow the Bible teachings. That's a lot of persecution. I mean, I can't even imagine 50 million people or 120 million people. Mm. Um, so the, it was in power for 1260 years. It got it, it's, we start that with, remember the three horns that got pulled up by the roots, those three powers that were done away with? Well, when the third one, and, and those were, nations or tribes that that opposed the papal authority when the third one got pulled up by the roots suffered genocide in other words when that happened then the pope had complete control 
over Western Europe. And that, so that's when we start counting our 1260 years. Then that was 5, 538 AD. And if you count 1260 years after that, you end up in 1798. So you say, okay, well, get out, dust off your history book or get out your, um, or get My out your, <laughs> your Google, one or the other. And you say, what happened in 1798 to the papacy? And that was the year that the Pope was actually taken captive by one of Napoleon's generals. Mm -hmm. And everybody thought the papacy is over. There's not gonna be any Pope. There's not gonna be any power anymore. Um, <laughs> but in fact, it has made a comeback, right? It, it, it's, it's back, it's healthy mm -hmm. now. And, and there's more and more um, influence from that order now than, than there was in 1798 or the early 1800s. So, um, and, and it, so that was the 1260 years, exactly what was prophesied. So can you see how all these things line up to point to a certain entity, a certain system as being what the Bible is saying is, is, the, is the Antichrist. So, now let's look at the study guide number 10. Number 10. Guide, we're going to jump around a little bit. What is the number of the beast? Could somebody read that? Oh, on, on number 10. Okay. Yeah, number 10 in the study guide. Dorothea? Yeah. Um, before uh, we get to that, in verse three, it said his deadly wound was healed. Yeah. Is that um, after the 42 months? Yes. And thank you for bringing that up, Janice. I was going to say that and I forgot. But yes, that's exactly what that's talking about. It had a deadly wound. Everybody thought, well, the papacy's over. There's going to be no more of it. That was the deadly <laughs> wound. People die of deadly wounds, right? Right. Deadly <sighs> is... If you said if you said there was a fatal accident on Interstate 20 at 75, you know that somebody died. But here you have a deadly wound that actually got better, and everybody thought the papacy was dead and the deadly wound was healed. Thank you, Janice, for bringing that up. Good. Okay. Study guide. The question number ten. Could somebody read that verse? Let him. Oh, go ahead. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Six. Yes, yeah, 666. And remember, now what a lot of people get mixed up on this and they think that 666 is the mark of the beast. Have you heard that before? What's oh, yeah. The beast? yeah. 666. Okay, first of all, it's not 666, it's 666. It is a number. That's number one. And number two, that's not the mark of the beast. What does the verse say? Does it say that's the mark of the beast or does that say it's the number of the beast? It says the, the number, number of, of the beast and the number of a man. The number of the beast, which is the number of a man, right? It's the number of the beast. His number <clears throat> is 666. So, Six is the mark of the beast is not a tattoo with three sixes on it. That's <laughs> not what it is. Um, it is, but but this is another clue as to who the Antichrist is. 
And do you guys remember Roman numerals back when you were in school? A B represents five and an I represents one. And I don't know if you remember that C represents a hundred. Um, look, look at this little illustration down at the bottom of, of this page right here, where it's adding up these numbers. Um, the U is like a V in Latin. So that also has five. So you have vicarious philidae. This is the actual title of the Pope and it's on his um, crown. His crown, his tiara. <laughs> yeah, that's the word, thank you, that, exactly. And so this is his title. So if you add up all these numbers, the, the vicarious, well, A and R don't have any, or S don't have any value in the Roman numeral system. The F doesn't. But here we have an I uh, being one, the L being 50, D is 500. You add all those up and you get to 666. That's just another clue. If it was just one thing, I mean, you, you could pick, I think somebody told me once Ronald Reagan, if you add up all his numbers, it comes to 666. If you just had that one clue, that wouldn't be enough to identify the Antichrist. You could pick all kinds of people and say, aha, it must be you. <laughs> but remember the, 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 the stool illustration we used last week, that if you just have one leg of your stool, you're not gonna be very stable. If you have two legs on the stool, you could still fall over. You need three or four legs on that stool to firmly establish it. Here is just one more piece of evidence that this is what, that, that, that we're looking at the right thing. We're, we're examining the right power. So, so now we know what this is. What does this have to do with us today? Look at, back to the study guide number two. Could somebody read that verse under number two? causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Okay, good. Thank you. So this is a combination of religious and political power. He causes all, both small and great, and, and rich and poor, because number three, A, the first one under number three, could somebody read that? All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Good, thank you. So this is, this is not, this has political power, and religious power because it's religious power because it's talking about worship and religion and political power because it has authority to not allow people to buy or sell. So think about how long this would it take to affect you personally if you couldn't buy anything or sell anything. Where do you think you would feel that the first? Probably with your food. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Walmart doesn't take your credit card. That's going to be noticed right away, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't buy or sell. So do you think there's going to be a little bit of pressure to get this mark? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
a lot of it'll be very difficult for people who are like i have to take care of my family Mm -hmm. i have to do that's the right that's what god wants me to do take care of my family Mm -hmm. and i have to be able to buy and sell take care of my family Mm it'll be very very hard for people to realize no above your family is god Mm -hmm. that's right it's not what do we so what do we think that the mark is going to be have a clue to that Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> to that in just a wee little bit. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Good question. You're tracking right with me, Sonia. So there's going to be a lot of pressure to get the mark. It's not a tattoo with 666, something else, but a lot of pressure. What other pressure is going to be put on people to get that mark? That's mentioned later on in Revelation 13. Does anybody remember? If you don't get the mark of the beast, you will be. Killed. Killed. Right. So first you can't buy sell, and eventually they're threatening your very life. So that's a lot of pressure. Um, but remember, <laughs> there so, so that would be very tempting to say, well, I'm gonna just cave into this pressure, whatever it is. But remember the warning for those who do get the mark. Look over at Revelation 14. Verse nine, another angel said, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark in his forehead or his hand, what will happen to him in verse 10? Himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. That's really serious, isn't it? And, and so we know that they will suffer hellfire and they'll receive the full dose of the wrath of God. And we know from Revelation 15, verse 1, that the wrath of God is manifested in the seven last plagues. So you have everybody's on the earth is going to make a choice. On the one hand, you're going to receive God's mark and you will, you, you'll be threatened with death and not being able to buy and sell. On the other hand, you'll receive the mark of the beast, and you'll be able to buy and sell, but you receive the wrath of God and, and hellfire. So you're going to have people standing there looking this way and that way and <clears throat> saying, I have to make a choice. Um, and what what they tell you in, I practiced disaster drills. I used to be a risk manager. Tammy knows that back in, back in a former life. And what they tell you in disaster drills is you will do what you have practiced. That's what you'll do. Don't think that you're going really to good point. climb out of a window in a burning building. If you haven't ever even thought about doing that, don't think that you will, you will do what, what you have practiced, what you, what's already in your mind. Um, so let's talk about God's mark and the be. <laughs> mark because everybody's going to have one or the other and because the beast's mark is actually a counterfeit of god's mark let's look back at the study guide the second verse under number three could somebody read that from revelation 7 i saw another angel ascending from the east having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice saying, 
Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, who we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Okay, very good. Thank you. And and so what what are the seven last plagues? What what are these things waiting for? Don't the angel says, don't hurt the earth or see the trees until what? The seal of God has come on to his people. Right. So everything is on hold. God is saying, wait, 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 wait. My people aren't ready yet. They need the seal. They need, they need my seal in their foreheads before we can proceed with winding up the affairs of this earth. And, and the seal is placed in the forehead. Look at the two verses of under number five. Could somebody read those verses? They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. And then in Revelation 14, 1, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Very good. Thank you. So when I went away to school, my mom marked my clothes. <laughs> she had this, she had my name written on this little, I don't know, iron on something, right? And mm -hmm. we ironed it onto everything. And so that's the, when, when the, um, Mm, our responsible teenagers did their laundry. We, we <laughs> and if you lose your sweater or you lose your jacket or you lose your t-shirt, everybody's going to know. What, what are they going to know? Who it belongs to? Belongs to. <laughs> yeah, it belongs to me because my name's on it. I, and, I still have one bed sheet with her name on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's been around for a while. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I guess it worked. It didn't get lost, right? <laughs> so what do you think it means? So, so that's what God is marking his people with his name, right? It's like he's saying that one's mine, that one's mine, that one is mine, and that one is mine. And I want to be marked as God's, right? Don't you? Be marked Amen. Belonging to God, for sure. So what do you think it means to have God's name? in our foreheads that's not our literal thing remember revelation is symbolic what do you think it means that it's in our foreheads in our our thinking our brain our center of knowledge yes exactly it's it's um allegiance it's a choice that we make with our minds it's not just something we do we're not just going through emotions it's a choice we're making in our minds. Very good. Thank you, Tammy. And isn't our frontal lobe where we really make these decisions? Is that that's right. Absolutely. That's very true. Yes, that's right. So, so the beast power in the end time is trying to get everyone to worship him. But what is God's call in number six? Can somebody read the study guide number six? worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and the springs of the water okay so thank you so that's right in revelation 14 there the beast wants you to worship him and and the angel says no you need to worship him who made the earth and the sea and the springs of water does anybody know that's a direct quote from the ten commandments does anybody know which commandment it's in which one it's in the fourth commandment. It's about the Sabbath, right? Mm -hmm. 
Exactly right. <clears throat> and number seven, this is the sign of God's authority um, is, is the Sabbath. Could somebody read that from Ezekiel 20? Hallow, <laughs> Hallow my Sabbaths, and they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Very good. Thank you, Melissa. So, <clears throat> so the Sabbath is a sign of God's authority. It's saying, hallow my Sabbath. Hallow just means keep holy my Sabbaths because they're going to be the sign between me and you that you're going to know that I am, I am the Lord your God. So the Sabbath is a mark of God's authority. And when I keep the Sabbath, I'm saying to God, I'm, I'm submitting myself to you as my authority. Um, the seal, like, like a tag, shows ownership. Um, just like the tag on my clothes did. And the seal in ancient times was placed on a law to show the authority of the one in power. So the king would use a seal and hot wax to sign a document. And they would have a, a, a little seal impression thing on a ring sometimes. And they would, they would put it in the wax and they would put it on a document. And that was their, that was their signature. The stories of Daniel and Esther, the kings used a seal to sign a law. I remember when Jesus was put in the grave, the tomb was sealed with a Roman seal. And anyone breaking that seal was punished with death. The seal showed the authority of the one in power. So the seal of God, the Sabbath, shows the authority of the one in power. He's the one who created the, the whole earth. Um, and there's an interesting comparison with the, I'm going to share my screen again here, with the seal of the president of the United States. A seal shows several things. This is the seal here. It shows several things. It shows the title and the jurisdiction of the one that it that it's representing. So the title obviously is the president, the president. That's the title. The, the jurisdiction is the United States. So here his seal shows his title and his jurisdiction. So in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath commandment shows God's title and jurisdiction, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It shows what, what's his title in the Seventh Commandment. I mean, in, in the Fourth Commandment. Mm -hmm. The Lord God yes. created, who created the heavens and earth and everything that is. And he's the creator. And what's his jurisdiction? It's the heavens and the earth and and this, everything. everything that's in them, right? So do you see how the Sabbath is God's seal, his mark of authority? It's in number eight there in the study guide. In six days, the Lord made, he's the creator, the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. There's his title, there's his jurisdiction. Um, and again, another evidence that this is the sign of God the seal of god uh, the next verse says i gave them my sabbath to be what a sign. Sign. sign between me and them that they might know that i am the lord who sanctifies them so the sabbath is a sign of god's authority that's his seal um right in the middle of the ten commandments so now we've we've got the idea does that make sense first of all to everybody what what this the, the seal of God is the Sabbath. 
it's it's God's seal or mark of authority. Does anybody have any questions about that? Okay, so now we're going to look at, okay, so if that was the seal of God's authority, where is the mark of the beast's authority? Because you would think that they would probably be parallel. The beast's mark, Satan's always counterfeiting what God's doing anyway, so we would expect it to be somewhat similar. We know who the Antichrist is. We're going to see what it uses as a mark of its authority. So to the, back to the study guide number 13, what does this power claim to have done? <clears throat> Somebody read that verse under number 13. <clears throat> and it shall intend to change times and laws. Okay. So it's gonna, it's gonna intend, it's gonna think that it's gonna be able to change times and law. What's the only part of God's law that has anything to do with time? The fourth commandment. Sabbath. It's the Sabbath right there. So it's gonna claim to be able to change the Sabbath. So go back to number 12 in the study guide. What is the mark of the authority of the beast in Revelation 13? And these are just some, there's some quotes here from what, what the Catholic Church says. And there's also just some comments by um, Pastor Bradshaw. He, he says, just as the Sabbath is a sign that represents the authority of God, Sunday is a sign that represents the authority of the church. <coughs> Excuse me. And then that little paragraph on the top of the next page and i'm i'm reading where it says fundamentalists meet for worship on sunday this is an actual quote from one of their books um could somebody read that sentence um that that little paragraph where it says fundamentalists fundamentalists meet for worship on sunday yet there is no evidence in the bible that cooperate worship that corporate worship, excuse me, was to be made on Sundays. The Jewish Sabbath or day of rest was, of course, Saturday. It was the Catholic Church that decided Sunday should be the day of worship for Christians in honor of the resurrection. And that's from Carl Keating, Catholicism and Fundamentalism, page 38. Very good. Thank you for reading that. Yes. So, so here we have their claiming to have changed the law of God. Can any human change the law of God? No. No. Not at all. I'm going to share my screen again. And <clears throat> there's a few other quotes. And this is, again, this is not anything that, that I have made up or anyone else has made up. This is in the, the books. This is actually a quote from a Catholic catechism question how do you prove that the church has power to command feasts and holy days this is in the catechism and the answer they give is <clears throat> by the very act of changing the sabbath into sunday which protestants allow of <clears throat> excuse me and therefore fondly con contradict themselves by keeping sunday strictly and breaking most most other feasts commanded by the same church so now there's a question is how, how do you know that what makes you think the church has all this authority? And the answer is, well, because we said Sunday was the day of worship and all the Protestants are keeping it. So Anna and the Catholics are all keeping Sunday. So that means we have the authority. 
So they're saying, they're essentially they're saying the mark of our authority as a church is Sunday. They're just saying that. Um, here's another, another question from the same document. Have you any other way of proving the church has power to institute festivals of precept? <clears throat> the answer, had she not such power, she could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So the church, the Catholic church is saying, we have the authority to change Saturday, Sabbath into Sunday, the move, moving the holiness from, from the seventh day of the week. We have the authority to do that. Beca and, and the way we know we have the authorities, because everybody does it, everybody keeps Sunday. And, and because the Bible certainly doesn't say to do that. We're the ones that have said that people should do that. So essentially, Sunday worship is the mark of their authority, according to their own words. Um, and they readily admit they changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. And they say this is the mark of the church's ecclesiastical power and authority. So that's, that's what they say. They're, they're, they're saying almost the same words as we're seeing in the, in the Bible. Well, Sunday is based on custom, tradition, and the command of the Roman church, and not the Bible. And, and in the end times, it's going to be, it's going to be a testing point. It's going to be a really important point. So, um, so keeping Sunday as a mark of allegiance to Rome, loyalty, keeping Sabbath as a mark of allegiance or loyalty to God. And this, this mark, the mark of the, the seal of God was placed where? In the forehead. In the forehead. Thank you. Where is the mark of the beast placed on number 11 in the study guide? In the forehead or in the hand? In the forehead or in the hand, right. So these are people, if it's in the forehead, those are people that are deceived into thinking Sunday's right. If it's in the hand, that, that, that's a symbol of action, right? This represents people that are pressured to honor Sunday, even though they know it's wrong. So you can make a mistake with your thinking or with your actions and either way it causes you trouble so now go to the study guide number 15 what is how does god describe god's his end time people here are those who keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus so that, that says it very clearly, doesn't it? So, so now people might say, well, maybe I have the mark of the beast now. Does anyone have the mark of the beast today? Look at the verse. Could somebody read the verse under number 14? It is when the mark is enforced by law that it becomes the mark of the beast. Until that time... Nobody will have the mark of the beast. That's exactly right. And the verse that's, that, that it's based on says he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, and free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or their foreheads. 
So that's when it's, there's going to be laws that try to force you to honor Sunday and break the Sabbath. That is when you will be marked as being loyal to the beast. So the people that go to the church on Sunday and worship God in, in, in love and, and, and loyalty to God now that don't know, it's, we're not pointing at anyone saying, well, you have the mark of the beast because you went to church on Sunday. Not at all. What we are saying is this is going to become a really big end time issue. And we need to know. The Bible is warning us so that we will know. So um, at the, the time is going to come when everybody's going to be forced to choose. If you're loyal to God, you can't buy or sell. But if you're loyal to Rome, keeping Sunday means you're going to suffer the seven last plagues and lose your salvation. Um, so this seems frightening, but there are promises in the Bible that we need to remember that are very, very precious. And so here you have somebody making the choice. Okay, do I want to receive the, the seal of God? Yes. Do I want the mark of the beast? No. And Jesus is there protecting her. Um, it, we have to remember to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, not on the things, the frightening things around us. There is a very powerful promise. And if you're looking for a Bible verse to memorize, this would be a very good one to memorize. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. This is talking about the end times. Psalm 91. This is also talking about end times. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. These are end time prophecies. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. <clears throat> because you have made the Lord even the most high, your dwelling place. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. A promise from Daniel 7, I mean, Daniel 12, at that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And this promise a sea of glass mingled with fire and them that had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and the number of his name stand on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Mm. And the warning come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and receive of her plagues. So this is where we keep our focus, not on the things of the earth, but on, but on heaven and on what, what God is calling us to do and be. Um, so how do you get to the place where you will make the right choice then? Remember what they told, told us in the disaster drills. You will do, when you're under pressure, you will do what you've practiced. Is there anything now that you can do that will help you have the strength to make those right choices then? One would be to keep the Sabbath. <laughs> the sabbath would be a big start right mm -hmm. and and to study the bible and to memorize the promises and to yes. um, have that relationship with christ <laughs> uh, um dorothea i like to go along with what tammy is saying i like 
Isaiah 33, 6, it says, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your time. And the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord, is his treasure. But the wisdom and knowledge is the stability. Very, that's a great promise. Thank you, Janice, for reading that. Yeah, so, so we, learning the promises, learning that the, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And the closer we get to the end times, the more we're going to be living by faith and less walking, less of living by sight. Um, so the more we can lean on God and trust him in the small things, the more we're going to be likely to lean on him and trust him with the big things. Right. If, if you don't trust him with the itty bitty things in your life, how will you trust him with the big things? Mm -hmm. the, the Bible says... Um, in Romans 1, not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? From what's that next word? Or anybody know it? Faith to faith. Yes. Thank you, Cindy. From faith to faith. From one degree of faith to another. God doesn't expect us to be perfect in our faith on the first day that we come to him. But he does want us to grow in faith, from faith to faith, as we grow stronger and stronger and relying on his promises. I also think it's important to surround ourselves with other people who also are seeking faith. I think that it's going to be very hard to stand on your own if you're lonely at that time. But having other people that are like-minded who are also seeking God, I think will be a big help. Amen. <laughs> So I think, you know, people, a lot of people are frightened about end times, but I don't think we have to be afraid. I think that we have to know that we're not going to be saved by our works then any more than we are right now. I think we need to remember the verse under number 16. It's describing a relationship that Jesus has with his people. These are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes and if you're following jesus wherever he goes now you he'll lead you right in the right way and right into his kingdom so let's pray dear father in heaven we thank you for these truths that you have taught us today and i know for some this may um, come as a surprise and for some it's a review of what we've known before but what we most need to know is to follow you in the little things and to trust you with the little things in our lives now. And Father, if there's anything in our lives right now that's standing between us and total trust and, and obedience to you, I pray that you would show us what those are and allow us to remove those with your help. We thank you for what you have promised and how you will bring us through. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.